1901, a woman by the name of Annie Taylor climbed into a barrel so that she could ride that barrel over Niagara Falls, the first person to do so. The reason for her crazy endeavor? She was struggling to make ends meet, and she was hoping for fame and financial security. It's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage, a faith and family mortgage team that tries to improve your financial outlook without having to ship you over a 170-foot waterfall. Our mortgage team happens to be an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender, which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls. There's no middleman. This advantage often allows us to get you a better rate, which can save you monthly and lifelong money through a refinance, or help you with a cash-out refinance, cashing out some of your home's equity to use for life. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Melville Park Road, Melville, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Corporate NMLS number 1330. Equal housing lender. Not licensed in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Utah. I'd like to introduce you to a versatile and creative author and editor, a storyteller. His name is Rob Suggs, and he's written or collaborated on more than 60 books, and his clients have included, oh, the New York Times bestselling authors like Kyle Eidelman, Lee Strobel, David Jeremiah, Bruce Wilkinson, the list goes on. And I could read his entire bio, but we wouldn't have an opportunity to talk to him about his latest book, which is called The Book That Conquered Time, How the Bible Came to Be. Joining us right now is Rob Suggs. Good morning, Rob. Good morning. Thank you so much for just being with us. Excited to walk with you uh, through kind of the the basics of the book and and the framework of what is included in it. So let me just ask this. In this book, the book The Conquer Time, you kind of trace the history of the creation of the Bible. Let me just ask, why is this important, especially as we take a look at um, historical contents for Christians to understand? Tell us about that. Well... the Bible has always had uh, its its grip on me since I was very small. And as I've gone through my life, I've learned more and more about it and found that there's just a great need um, among people to understand what kind of book this is, where it came from, how we had it. It's, it's, it's one of a kind, obviously. It's 66 books that have come through time, through thousands of years without being really changed. And, uh, it's, it's the book of the human race, I believe. But we have so little understanding, most of us, how we got it, what it really is, and how to understand it. So I, I set out to write a book that is a biography of the Bible, like you would write a biography of any famous person. From the very beginning, how did it begin? How did the books get put together? All the things you mentioned. Okay, you're hearing from Rob Suggs about his latest book. It's called The Book That Conquered Time, talking about the Bible from a biographical sketch point of view. Um, And just tell us a little bit about that. How could maybe understanding the history of the Bible actually bring people into faith in Jesus Christ? Well, I, I think it could very well do that. And it has, in fact, done that for thousands of years. Just simply reading the Bible sometimes, there are many stories of people that just picked up a Bible from a, you know, a Gideon's Bible in a, in a motel room or, or something like that, or in a prison, and just simply by reading it, we're converted. So that's one way. But I think in reading my book, for example, you come to understand the incredible odds by which all of these 66 books from Genesis to Revelation, what all came together 
in various times, in various places, over a huge period of time, in different cultures, different historical things happening, and yet they tell one story. So imagine if someone started writing a book um, um, in the 1700s in America, and um, then other people picked it up, and sometimes without even reading what came before, and they added to the book, and then you know, up to our time, you know, the modern times until they added to the book again, and yet all of it was consistent, all of it tells one story. And that that's an amazing thing when you think about it. Yeah, it's truly amazing how the uh, how the Holy Spirit inspired people to write down this word. So let me ask this during your research. Did you find anything that strengthened or challenged your own beliefs? Yes, there were a great many things. Um, even though, obviously, setting out to write this, I was not ignorant of the Bible's history. I already knew a good bit about it. But uh, reading this, um, I found, for example, that um, there are many things in the Bible that have been confirmed by archaeology, um, just uh, historical type of things. There is a, there's a little place in, in, um, in, in Jerusalem where the people remember the story of Jesus coming across the man who had sat by the pool for all these years waiting to be healed. And it's described very specifically in the book of John. This was a place that had five columns and so forth and five pools and, and all this. And for uh, scholars used to say there is no such place. It never was in Jerusalem that looks like that. And it turns out that archaeologists a few years ago, did some digging, and they got under the level of something, and there it was. There was the, the five porticos described in the book of John. So the book of John was the fourth gospel written. It was it was not the first. It was the fourth written, and some people said, oh, it, this is written much later, and it doesn't really understand. This book doesn't really understand Jerusalem and Jesus, and yet here it was. The his, history is exactly consistent. There are many places like that. You know, just in recent years, we found the first true extra-biblical historic evidence of David, King David. And so there are many things like that over time that have uh, confirmed the accuracy of the Bible historically and, and, of course, in the way we live and the fact that it just works. The biblical uh, biblical prescriptions for our life simply work. It is called The Book That Conquered Time, How the Bible Came to Be. It's a book written by Rob Suggs, and Rob is our guest right now here on Mornings with Tom and Tobby. And Rob, let me just ask you this. As we talk about the Bible, sometimes people have a hard time with the canonization project or process, and how do we know which books are supposed to be included and which aren't? So just kind of walk us through the canon. Okay. Uh, that's that's a great question because that has been uh, one of the things that people love to argue about, and they probably don't need to argue about it as much as they do because the canon has been set for really a thousand years, more than a thousand. Um, and as it, it's C A N O N, as I should establish, is the word we're talking about. It doesn't mean a big gun. It <laughs> means the accepted collection of books that are in the Bible. So there's an Old Testament canon and a New Testament canon. And in each case, there are books we have from that time period and even on the same subject that are not part of the canon. For example, there are New Testament books about Daniel in the Old Testament that are not part of the canon. They're good books. They're interesting. 
They may or may not be true, but we have not over time found them to be the Word of God. In the New Testament, it's the same way. There are many, many biblical, well, extra-biblical books written by people that are claiming to be Gospels, stories of Jesus, uh, letters from Paul, that type of thing, that are probably not valid. I mean, uh, well-known not to be valid, not to be true. And so the early church fathers, just as one example, meaning the leaders of the church, you know, in the second generation, they had to decide, we have all of these books and people are reading them, and which are the ones we need to read? Which are the ones that are inspired by God? And they did a great job doing that. And they went by a couple of things. One of the th- one things they went by was, are many people using this book and finding it to, to have efficacy? Does it work? So if we use this, the gospel of according to John, the gospel according to Luke, uh, Paul's letter to the Romans, and people are saying, yes, we're using that one. That is absolutely true. And then they're saying, do we know who wrote this? Do we know how it was written? And can we trace it back to the period when Jesus lived and when Paul lived or whoever it might be? And if, if the answer is yes, then that means it's, it should be part of the Bible. And they very well went by books connected to the disciples and books connected to the first uh, generation of Christians. Okay, thank you so much. You're hearing from Rob Suggs talking about the book, The Conquered Time, how the Bible came to be. And um, you say this, you say that even if the Bible disappeared tomorrow, its imprint would remain on every part of life. Talk about that. Explain that a little bit further, would you? Yes, and that's one thing that I'm so frustrated at times that people can't see. They don't understand. Um, they'll say, well, I'm, I'm not a spiritual person or I'm not a Christian. I'm not a religious person. And they're not, but they don't understand how their lives have been shaped by this book, just like ours have. Because for hundreds and hundreds of years, really, uh, more than that, the Bible has been at the very center of society. In early America, when the pilgrims came over, and then as they begin to establish this country, they would generally have two books on their shelf um, at most. One of them would be the Bible, and one of them would be Pilgrim's Progress. And they may or may not have Pilgrim's Progress, but they always had a Bible. People actually read the Bible so that a great many of the expressions we use, just for example, um, just things we say come out of the Bible, like a prophet in his own country is without honor, I don't know how many people actually say that, but don't worry about today. Uh, tomorrow, tomorrow has problems of its own. That comes from Jesus. But there, and you can go on and on and on and on. There are thousands of expressions that we use, but just beyond the, the expressions and the sayings that we use that we don't even know we're quoting the Bible at times, it is just the very mindset of doing unto others that basically everybody lives by today. Our our laws you know, in America are based on fairness and justice uh, for all people, which is, is a biblical principle. It's not a principle in all religions, but it is a Christian principle that comes through the Bible. So our country has been shaped uh, in, in thought and in belief and in principles by the Bible so that even if the Bible disappeared, and you couldn't, and there's no chance of that. But even if you couldn't buy one tomorrow, its its influence on us 
would last for a long, long time. Yeah, and that's so good to know because it is the Word of God. It is living. It is active. And uh, it is moving people to come to faith in Christ. And as we're wrapping up our time with you here, Rob, let me ask one last question. So if you could share just one key finding from your research on the creation of the Bible, what would that be? I think the thing I enjoyed writing about most was the English language, how the Bible came into the English language. And the fact that in, in the 1600s, when it was translated into English, and a little before that, people were, had, they had Latin Bibles. Now, Latin was a dead language, but the Bible was in Latin, and most people couldn't read it. And I just try to imagine what it was like for people to, for the first time, have the Word of God in English, in their own language, soon in the King James Version, which is beautifully written, and to be able to understand it for the first time. And when I do, I just thank God that the Bible is so available to you and to me. We have it on our shelves. We have uh, buried its word in our hearts. And just to be to walk with this book through life, to have it there before us and its availability, we are so, so very, very fortunate that we don't thank God enough, in my opinion. 